Before we start with this morning's message, um, I want to make, make you aware of an opportunity here in the life of our church. As you can see on the screen, um, next Sunday we are going to have an informational meeting. We want to create within the life of our church uh, what we're referring to as a care team. If you're familiar with Acts chapter 2, I believe it starts about verse 42, it talks about the beginning of the early church after Christ was crucified and rose from the dead, came back, visited with the disciples, and then they begin to, to span out across the, across the countryside. Many of the early churches actually met in homes. And so, so the, the picture that comes in Acts chapter 2 is what, these, what Christians did when they came together in homes. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but they ate together. Um, they must have been Baptist. Um, all right, they could have been Methodist. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong church this morning. Not really. Anyway, they could, have, they could have been whatever. But they ate together. They prayed together. They fellowshiped together. One of the most important things did, they did was they cared for each other. And so next Sunday after church, we're going to have kind of an informational meeting. Probably take an hour, maybe just a tad over an hour. We will provide lunch, which proves that we're Bathodists or Methodists or whatever we are. Okay? So we will eat. But we're going to introduce a concept that we, we, we hope you will find interesting, at least many of you or some of you. And we're going to be looking at what we at Church in the Mall here can do as far as beginning to provide care for each other. And then as we get better to provide care to and for each other, we, be, we learn how to provide better care to those around us in our communities, in the mall, wherever we may be. Some, some of the areas that we want to look at, at perhaps doing a better job, and I, I'm not to suggest this morning that we're not already doing some of these things, but for example, we're looking for opportunities where when the church is open during the week and people are walking around and by the church as they are right now as, as I speak, sometimes people wander in. And so the ability to have somebody here that would, could just talk to them, not deep theological stuff, but just to say hello and would you like a cup of coffee, those kinds of things. We're looking at, at folks who with some, some additional training could make some hospital calls. Um, we're looking at um, adding more people for meet and greet on a Sunday morning uh, when, when guests come into our church. Notice I used the word guest. We don't have visitors here. We have guests. And the reason we have guests is visitors come unannounced. Guests come because we expect that they're coming. And so we want to we look for ways that we can do that. We want to, we maybe, maybe, maybe that's not your cup of tea, but you would be willing to offer your vehicle and you, and, and you could provide transportation to somebody who needs to go to, the, to a doctor's appointment or something like that. And even, even if that's none of, none of that, um, some care cards, what we call care cards, sending a person a birthday card, sending a letter, a, a, an encouragement card, sending a, a note to somebody that perhaps we haven't seen for a little while in church and just say, hey, we missed you. So many opportunities. My mother-in-law, one of the things I'll never forget is in the midst of her rheumatoid arthritis that had her fingers bent every which way, she would sit down and write notes of encouragement to the children of missionaries. Anyway, we've got lots of care opportunities that, that we want to invite you to come. If, if you think you might have an interest, come next Sunday after church, free food, and learn about this care ministry that we're going to try to establish here within the life of the church. If you're interested, I believe on your table there is 
in the, in the bucket there is a card called serve at CITM. There's no place for care ministry on here, but just down where it says other, check that off or put an X and then write the word care beside it. That'll give us an idea of how many of you might be interested in coming next Sunday. Okay? That's my last, my last advertisement for the day, I believe. Now, shifting hats. We want to continue this morning with our, our sermon series on questions about God. Questions about God. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What, what, what's, what's out there for us? Last week, Mariah shared with us who is God and gave us a pretty good, a very good descriptor, descriptor of when we think in terms of God, who God is. And we, we think of things about, about love and, and caring and compassionate and all of those things. Today, I want to go in a, a little bit different direction, and I want us to look at a couple questions. I want us to look at the reality that God is a, a number of things, but is he worth following? Is he worth what I believe is the cost of what we need to do? Is it worth that cost? Is it worth taking the risk? Are the rewards, if you will, what we, we get as a result of it, are they worthwhile? I don't know if you realize it or not, but every one of us every day make those kinds of decisions. Now, some of them are extremely major, but some of them are simple. I'm going to go to the movies today. I want to see a certain movie. Am I willing to make that investment into that movie? Will it be worth the investment that I'm going to make? We all make all kinds of simple, simple decisions like that. But I want to talk to you this morning about the most important decision that any person can make. And that is, do I want to have, do I want to establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And if I do, am I willing to do what it takes to make it work? Am I willing to, and listen carefully, am I willing to allow myself to be exposed to the cost? Because yes, there is a cost in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have dealt with a lot of churches over my, my ministry one of my biggest concerns is we do a good job of telling people about coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. And I make it very clear to you, coming to a relationship with Christ is truly and solely and completely and only through his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so accepting Christ is a free gift. But from that moment forward, there are decisions that you and I need to make in terms of following him. And the two questions basically in a couple of different directions. Am I willing, you know, is it worth it to me? What, what does it cost to follow Jesus? The second thing is, am I willing to pay that cost? But first, a funny story. My wife is in this one too. But she's the hero. She and I like to walk. Uh, and uh, during, particularly during the summer months, we walk. We live relatively close while well, we live about a block and a half from Mount Builder's Golf Course. And so a lot of times we will walk the golf course of an evening. And it's, it's, it's really pretty there. It's beautiful. 
and um, you know we see sometimes we see deer sometimes I've seen a we've seen a fox here and there a few times we've seen a bear no bear no bear we did see a blue heron a couple times on, on I don't know if that's a creek or a river that runs along there but I've seen a blue heron on that and guess what every once in a while they're pretty rare but every once in a while we see a golfer now, walking this golf course feeds one of my, um, one of my, one of the things I enjoy, one of my habits, okay? And that is I collect logo golf balls, okay? And so when we're walking along and we're walking along the edge where the grass, you know, the grass has been cut, the fairway versus the, what they call the rough, and then trees and all that kind of stuff, I'm walking along, most of the time not paying attention where I'm walking, but looking for golf balls, particularly logo golf balls. And this one day we're walking along and I look about 10 foot in, and there's a golf ball. And it looked from where I was standing, it looked to be a logo golf ball. And I have this wall of shame with probably 120 golf balls on it, and specially made golf ball racks, okay? I gotta quit looking at Mary. She's she's such a discouraging thing. Uh, no, not not really, not really. But I do enjoy her laugh, and I enjoy keeping her awake. It looked like a logo ball. Now, immediately in my mind, what's the cost? Maybe I didn't use these exact words, but if I'm gonna wander into this sloped area that's got tree branches and and weeds and different things and poison ivy am i going to is it is it worth making the investment what's what's the cost for me and is it worth making taking that cost stupid me yes it's worth the any logo ball is worth going going after okay so i i get out there and i get about five feet in and i slip and i fall and I am laying there wallowing like a turtle upside down in poison ivy, okay? At the moment, it, it didn't mean a whole lot, but a few hours later, it meant a bunch. But I want you to know something. When I measured the cost, I thought it was worth it because I got close enough that even though I was laying on the ground, I was able to pick up the golf ball. What well, was it worth the cost? You betcha. <laughs> now, I have to confess to you, and I confess to the Lord, then I got ticked off. Because I bring, I, my, my wife's standing there, all right, laughing. <laughs> I told you, don't go in there. I get out, and I hold up the golf ball. It wasn't a logo ball. <laughs> not only was it not a logo ball, I thought, well, at least I can, I can use this when I play golf. But I turned it over, and here it was, a ball that the lawnmower from the golf course had thrown into there, and it had this huge cut in it. So not only did I get poison ivy, not only did I get embarrassed in front of my wife, I didn't get a logo ball. I didn't get a usable golf ball. 
We all make decisions in life about doing different things. And we have to ask the question, what does it cost when we do it? And then is it worth it? Now this morning I want to talk to you specifically about what does it cost to follow Jesus? And when I ask you that question, what does it cost and is it worth it? I'm not talking about just once in a while. I'm not talking about just coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm talking about day in, day out, at work, at play, in our relationships, in our finances, in every aspect of our life. What does it cost to follow Jesus? And I confess to you, I've been praying about this. I told you that over the, over, over the years of my ministry, which now are getting close to 40, one of my biggest concerns is we don't make it, pastors, as pastors, we don't sometimes make it real clear what I believe are Christ's expectations for us. Now, again, I want to make it very clear. Not in receiving him. That's purely grace. But his expectations of our walk after we receive him. And so this morning, I don't want to pull any punches because lame answers telling you, oh, it's all roses, leads to lame faith. Wrong answers lead to weak faith. And so I want to talk to you specifically about what it truly means to accept Christ. Interestingly enough, every one of us that's gathered here, no exceptions, this morning we fall into one of three categories. There are those of us here that are this morning that are true believers. We, we believe 100% in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and we believe in what he means in our life, and we are striving to live not perfectly, but striving to live the life he wants us to live. There are some of us here this morning that are somewhere in between. We are, uh, we are Christians, and we believe, but sometimes our life doesn't really reflect that, and we really don't put a whole lot of effort into it. And then quite frankly, and, and I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form as a negative, but there probably are some of us here this morning that are unbelievers. We do not have a personal relationship with Christ. For all of us, though, what does it cost? What does it cost to follow Jesus Christ? And what does it mean? Now, i got to tell you, looky here. What's it cost? What it costs is sometimes it means that our lives, if we're truly going to follow him as he calls us to, our lives, sometimes we're going to do things and we're going to be accused of being unpopular. You know, when, when we get caught in a situation where it's so much easier to go with the flow than it is to do what Christ would call us to do, what Christ would say was right. I think one of my very first experiences that was I, I was a 14-year-old kid, and uh, I worked for a grocery store. Um, and I was paid under the table. I wasn't even an official employee. But I got invited to the boss's Christmas party that year. And I'm sitting around with all these guys that are a little bit older than me, and uh, the first thing you know, Bob, you want a beer? No, I don't want no beer. What's the matter with you? Are you one of those Christians? You don't want a beer? Give me a beer. I can honestly tell you that's the first and only time in my life I got drunk. How do I know I was drunk? I fell up the steps. I didn't fall down the steps. I fell up the steps. But better than that, the next morning, not only did I not feel so great, 
And, and then I compounded it by lying to my parents about why I didn't feel great. But then I had to deal with God. You could have simply just said, Bob, no, I don't want a beer. But that would have been the unpopular thing to do. Following Christ, what's the cost? Sometimes the cost is doing some things that are difficult. I recall in my ministry one time, and I dealt not only with the spiritual side of things, but I also dealt with the administrative and the business side of things sometimes. And I, I dealt with a, an individual who asked me, he said, I don't want to pay taxes on some of my income, so I'm going to do this. And I had a choice. I could say to him, sure, go ahead, just don't tell me. Or I could say to him, no, you can't do that. And I don't mind telling you, I told him, no, I'm not going to do that. It cost me some, some advancements in my work because of admitting to him and telling him, I'm not going to do something that's not legal. It cost me a little bit. Is it risky sometimes? Yeah, it's risky. I'm, be, I'm here before you this morning uh, some 40-some years ago. I worked for the state of Ohio, and, and I had a very lucrative position. My position is actually, was actually three, three notches from the governor's office on the organizational chart. I was making good money. I was, I, I was, I was at the top of my ladder except for uh, unless I wanted to get elected to something. But I sensed God's call to ministry. And we left something very important. It was risky. It was scary at times. But we knew in all of our hearts, my wife and I, that it was the right thing to do. It was risky, but God provided all the way through it. And then, is it inconvenient sometimes? Yeah. How many of us have had that choice of taking the easy road or the road that you knew was right? Is there a cost to serving Jesus and following Christ? Absolutely. Unequivocally, yes, there is a cost. But maybe I've, uh, maybe I've generated some get on with it. Does it require too much? Some of you may be sitting there at night right now thinking, yep, that's, that's more than I'm ready to give up. And, and I guess that's, that's your choice. I want you to know that following Christ, you're either all in or you're not in. Maybe some of you are sitting on the fence. I want to, but I don't want to give up anything. Following Christ brings a cost. It means that we have to be willing to give our lives to him completely and totally. It doesn't mean that we do so perfectly. I, I will confess and my wife will back it up. There's been a lot of things I have not been perfect in in my following Christ. But the desire of one's heart needs to be there, that that's what you're going to do. And he doesn't, he doesn't get into this maybe yes, maybe no stuff. So let's look at some scripture this morning and see what the scripture says specifically about what it is that we are called to if we're going to be a believer in Jesus Christ. What is the cost, and then are you willing, am I willing to pay that cost? We begin with a passage in Matthew chapter 16. In this passage of scripture, um, Jesus has asked his disciples, 
when, when people have begun to talk about him as he has traveled around preaching and teaching, he asks his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And then, later on, who do you say I am? And, and their answer to him is, well, well some, people think, some people think that you're John the Baptist. And as we know, or, or perhaps know, John the Baptist was the one who was pre, predetermined that, that would announce the coming of Jesus Christ. Some people say you're Elijah the prophet, basically a miracle worker, a great defender of God's, God's life and of God in general. Some say that you're Jeremiah the prophet. And then Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And Peter, uh, whether he was actually the appointed or became the self-appointed spokesperson, well, Jesus, you are the, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. And, of course, the disciples bought into that because they had seen Christ's miracles. They had seen and heard his words. They had experienced firsthand some of his miracles and the things he had done. Now, obviously, I wasn't there. I have to believe that, that Christ was, was pleased with Peter's response. He was, because Peter gave the, right, gave the right conclusion. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Now, let's go down just a few more verses. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and on the third day be raised. Most scholars agree that at this point in time in Jesus' ministry, there begins to be a shift. Because from this point on, Jesus begins to demonstrate to his disciples and some, some around him, but specifically to the disciples, that he is now on a journey that's going to lead him to the cross. He gives a, he gives a pretty good and a, a pretty clear explanation. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things, not from what I've done wrong, but from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. I'm going to be killed and on the third day, I'll be raised up. In fairness to the disciples, if I had been one of them at that moment, I might have said something theological like, you're right. Or, or are you kidding me? But the truth of the matter is, at this moment, Jesus already is beginning to give his disciples the reality, the reality that he is ultimately going to be crucified. He's going to die. Now, my buddy Peter, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. You know, Peter has this wonderful knack of putting his foot in his mouth. What I'd like you to think about for a moment is just one verse back, one verse back, Peter describes Jesus as Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now, a, a verse later, he says, Far be it from you, Lord. Y you must have this wrong. On one hand, he puts Christ on a pedestal and tells how wonderful he is, that he is truly the Son of God. On the other hand, he says, Guess what, God? You blew this one. I know more than you do. That, that can't be going to happen. But Jesus knew better. And notice what happens next. But he turned and said to Peter, 
the scholars, the scholars, some of them, one of them said he turned his back on Peter. Most scholars believe that he turned to Peter and said this, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Get behind me, Satan. He was not necessarily referring to Peter as, quote-unquote, Satan. What he was referring to was the concept of anything but what God desired for him to do. And by the way, even Jesus recognized that if he was going to be a follower of his heavenly Father, you had to be all in. Jesus recognized to the point where he knew he was ultimately going to be crucified. So when it comes down to what is the cost, he knew he was going to have to give his total and complete life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The word deny, the word deny there, it means to disown, it means to denounce. Simply put, it means to follow Christ. In those days when, it said, when, when Jesus says, pick up your cross, in those days, what that meant when they saw, when, when people saw a person carrying a cross, it means they acknowledged that they, were, uh, that they were guilty of something, and it meant also a sign of death. And so what Jesus was saying to Peter, deny yourself, pick up your cross, deny your existence, and begin to follow me. Jesus knew that in following him, sometimes it would be unpopular, Sometimes it would be difficult, sometimes it would be risky, and sometimes it would be difficult, uh, inconvenient. Now here's, here's why, why it costs, and here's what it costs. For whosoever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In simplest of terms, you have to... To, if you want to save your life, if you want to continue to be the one in charge of your life, then what Jesus is saying right here is you'll lose your life. If you want to save your life, that will mean that you continue to be in charge of your life. But if you're willing to lose your life, then ultimately you will save your life. You have to make a choice. And that's what he says to each and every one of us. Is there a cost? And the answer is yes. You have to lose your life to Christ. And then in the end, you will save your life. If you are willing to give up what, what you desire of your own life and agree to follow him, then you will save your life. Uh, probably a stupid example. Our, my, uh, my oldest daughter and her husband, our family, they have a dog. It's a black lab. It's about 100 years old. Um, well, not that old. It's not stuffed or anything like that. Um, it's, it's a black lab. It's na his name is Chance. 
And I, I've been out there enough now that Chance recognizes me when, when I come to the door, thank goodness. Or he'd maul me to death, I think. Or maybe, actually, he'd actually lick me to death. But that's neither here nor there. When I come to the house now, Chance comes running to the door every time. And now this is after I've heard, I've heard the barks, you know, announcing somebody's here, somebody's here. But he comes running to the door, tail going 90 miles an hour, and inevitably he has his favorite toy in his mouth. Favorite toy in his mouth. Dog, his butt's going like this with his tail, and he, <laughs> well, he's not going ha 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 because he's got something in his mouth. But anyway, I have been blessed with, with the gift from God of being a dog whisperer. And so when he's standing there with his tail going 90 miles an hour, got, got his favorite toy in his mouth, you know what he's saying? Play with me, play with me, play with me, play with me. Go away. And I, I reach down to grab the toy, and what's he do? He runs. Okay, wait a minute. My, my dog whispering may not be working quite as well. Play with me, play with me, play with me. But then he runs off. And so then I have to go through the house chasing him, Guess what? I can't catch him. He always comes back with that same old toy. So I thought, well, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. I got him another toy. So he comes running up with the same toy, and I try to give him the new toy. Play with me, play with me, play with me. Do you think he'll give up that old toy? No. Finally, I catch him, and I wrestle the old toy out of his mouth, slimy as it is, and, and I insert the new toy, play with me, play with me, play with me, and he takes off. Two minutes later, he comes back, and guess what he's got? The old toy. And you're probably wondering by now, get to the point, get to the point. Here's the point, folks. Take this the right way. But you're all like chance. You're all like chance. I'm like chance. You see, we have become so comfortable and so, so content with the old self. Play with me, play with me, play with me. That we won't give up that old toy. We won't give up that old life. And even when we decide, okay, maybe we'll give this a try, so we spit out the old toy, and we take on the new toy. It's only a matter of time before what? We pick up the old toy, and we stand there, play with me, play with me, play with me. If we're going to follow Christ, we have to be willing to give up the old toy. We have to be willing to give up the old life and accept and begin living the new life that Christ wants for us. We need to deny self. We need to deny the old life to receive the new life. Now here's the interesting thing. Jesus Christ, or God, one and the same, to, to receive him and to begin walking with him never takes anything from us. but he gives us the new life. He won't take the old toy out of your mouth, 
but he will give you the new toy. But we have to make the choice. We have to make the decision ourselves. Is there a cost? Yes. You have to die to self. You have to die to self. But in dying to self, you save your life eternally with Christ. Questions about God? Is there a cost? Is there a price? Yes. Are you willing to accept that price, that cost? What does it cost to follow Jesus? Does it require too much? You know what, folks? I can't make that decision for you. None of us can. It's a decision that every one of us has to make on our own. Now, what I can say to you, unequivocally, does it require too much? No. No. Because I've given my life to Christ. I'm not perfect in it. Do I ever make mistakes? Yes. Do I ever fail? Yes. Does it seem sometimes like it's too costly? Yes. Does it seem sometimes that it's a bit problematic? Yes. Is it tough sometimes? Yes. But I want you to hear something. I have been a believer since I was about 14 years old, right after I got drunk. No. I was actually a believer before that. For the wrong reasons. I think I've probably told you this story. I first came to Christ because my girlfriend went to that church and I knew I couldn't date her without it. But then I came to see what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ. Has it been perfect that whole way through until today? No. I have probably already messed up this morning. But is the desire of my heart to die to self, throw the old ball on the ground, and pick up the new one, pick up Jesus Christ? That's my desire. Now, listen carefully to me. Is it tough sometimes? Yeah. Do I fail sometimes? Yeah. But I stand before, stand before you this morning to say this. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I have no regrets because Christ has come into my life. I have begun to walk with him. I continue to walk with him. He continues to bless me. Has he prevented difficulty from me? No. Has he kept me isolated from the, the issues of the world? No. Do I still have pain, heartache, and sorrow sometimes? Yes. But I am a new creature in him. Is there a cost? Yes. Is it too much of a cost? Absolutely no. And lastly, nobody can make the choice for you. Nobody can cause you, make you spit that ball out of your mouth. Now, I, I guess maybe with chance, you know, you know if, I, if I want to get my hand all slobbery and scratched and, and whatever, I can pry it out. You know, I've found what works is you put your other hand over his nose. <laughs> That's another one of my sins. 
poor dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, who cares about me? It's the poor dog. Thanks, Mary. All right, so I'm in front of a bunch of dog lovers. What does it cost to follow Christ? Giving up the old self and allowing the new self to begin to grow and his promise is that he will grow you in him. Is it worth it? I wouldn't change a thing. It's worth it not only eternally, but it's worth it right now. Hopefully you'll agree with me. Let's pray. Lord, I understand that um, that if I ask you to, you'll come into my, into my life, into my heart. And you have. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I received that gift, that gift of eternal life by faith, trusting in you alone for my salvation. But I received it, Lord, knowing that from that moment forward, I needed to die to myself. I needed to deny myself and then in turn agree to follow you. And Lord, you certainly know that in my doing that, I've failed you at times, every day at some level. But you know the desire of my heart. And so, Lord, for, for myself, I, I, I selfishly pray that you'll continue to make me and mold me into what you want me to be. That as I, years ago, became that new creation, you will continue to work in me till the day I draw my last breath to go, be with, to, go to be with you. Lord, I can't make that decision for any person in this room, on this earth. It has to be a personal decision. So Lord, I pray that for each of us, we can, we can make the statement that, yes, we have received you, and it is a desire of our heart to deny self and begin to follow you, and each day try to be drawn closer to you as we follow. Yeah, there's a cost, but unequivocally, it's worth it. No regrets. And Lord, I pray for each and every person here this morning that they can say the same thing. But Lord, if there is one here this morning who, who perhaps has never done that, has never completely given himself to you, it's like, like standing on the side of the swimming pool, never really jumped in. I pray, Lord, if there's one here this morning that they'll, they'll make that decision. I pray, Lord, that if, 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 if they're unclear and they need some help, that they'll, they'll seek out getting help so that they might learn how they can come to know you. No regrets, Lord. I thank you for your promise to me and that same promise to every one of us here. For as these things we pray in thy name. Amen. As we prepare this morning to participate in the Lord's Supper,
I'm reminded that on the night that Christ was betrayed, he took the cup and he shared it with, a, with all those that were gathered at the table. And he reminded them that his body would be broken and that the bread that they were partaking of was a representation of his body that would be broken for all. He reminded them that the cup that they were partaking of symbolically represented his blood, which would be shed. Interestingly enough, in those days, they were still at a place where animal sacrifices and the blood from animals is what cleansed. And so when he shared with his disciples that my blood will do the same thing, that was probably quite a revelation. When you think about it, the cleansing that they were used to was something they had to do over and over and over. And here he was proclaiming that this would be the last time you need to do it, if you believe. But it was also reminding them that um, following him comes at a cost. Yeah, I welcome you in by faith. But then you're called to walk with me. And so, Lord, as we, as we, as we participate in the table this morning, I encourage each of us to simply be mindful of the magnitude of what Christ did on our behalf. And then, is it our true desire to follow him? When you're ready, you come as, as we prepare it.